Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your Game Master. We're continuing our Kickstarter month today. A few projects we've been working with got delayed, and because I want their Kickstarters to receive the full benefits of One Shot, and because I want you heroes to be able to find these games as soon as we have them on the air, I've reached out to another Kickstarter I'm sure you're going to love to fill the gap. Heroes, if there are two things I love in life, it is comics and games. And those two things come together beautifully in the comics anthology, Chainmail Bikini. Chainmail Bikini is a collection of reflections on gaming by talented lady cartoonists and some of my favorite artists working today. Chainmail Bikini is about the experiences of lady gamers, and it contains stories about playing RPGs, video games, board games, and more. And this week, Kat and I are joined by some of our favorite contributors to the book. Hazel New Levant, Molly Ostertag, Atmaj Pundia, and Amanda Skurdy to play some Dungeon World. And you'll get the added benefit of hearing me act like a total dork in front of some of my favorite cartoonists. One quick note, because everyone on this episode, except for me and Kat, are in New York, the audio quality isn't up to our regular standard. Sorry about that. Hopefully you'll like what we put together as much as I do. And with all that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. Uh, first up, a voice that should be familiar to you all by now. Kat Murphy, welcome James to the show. Tomato. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This, you, we're not in the same room right now. This is, like, unique. Uh, this is really the first time that this has been successful, too. I'm yeah. pretty, pretty <laughs> pleased that we can record from our different separate apartments. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves and say we've succeeded just yet. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, okay. Kat, why don't you talk to me about your character for this week? Who are you playing? I'm playing Kua Tater Tot. (laughs) She goes by Kua Tater Tot because most people can't pronounce Kua. I can't imagine why. Yeah. She's a halfling. She's a halfling barbarian. And uh, she had kind of a unique upbringing. And with it, she has a pretty unique appearance. Um, she has dark, ruddy skin. She spends most of her time outside, so it's kind of like sunburnt on top of that. And she has uh, black hair that's always up in a giant poof. And then she wears an odd combination of clothes that she's sort of stolen off of uh, clotheslines um, and like bottle caps and shiny things on, <laughs> on strings and necklaces. Um, so she looks kind of like an odd scarecrow. This is added to by the fact that she carries around a giant scythe. Okay. Um, yeah. So she definitely cuts an intimidating figure and certainly the sort of person who would stand out in a crowd. Yeah. I mean, that's like normally she's a tiny little halfling, so there's not a ton to stand out just there, but the scythe adds a lot of gravitas to the figure. <laughs> Now, is is her uh, skin painted at all, or is it just, like, uh, tanned and dirty? uh, No, just tanned and dirty. Uh, She's recently found out about these things called tattoos and is kind of thinking about it, but hasn't hasn't made the jump. (laughs) That's the best. Okay, since this is Dungeon World, uh, we have something called bonds as part of the mechanic of the game. Essentially, uh, every character has a thought about every other character in the party. It's something that pulls you guys together and makes the role playing a little bit stronger in addition to providing you benefits when you're leveling up. So I'll just go around the horn real quick to the guests that we have not introduced yet, but you will be introduced to shortly. And everybody will say what their bond is uh, to Qua! 
Okay, so yeah, okay. I am Kwa Kwa sibling, halfling sibling named Dandelion. And let's see, my bonds with everyone? Yeah, or just say uh, what your character thinks about Kat's character. We are siblings and partners in crime, and we enable each other's terrible decisions. Rad. Constantly. <laughs> uh, my character is Vatch. She thinks of Qua as sort of like <laughs> an annoying little uh, person that kind of just pops up and gets in trouble all the time, but still uh, holds some sort of affection for them. That's fair. <laughs> uh, my bond is that I believe that Kwa and also Kwa's sibling Dandelion are in constant danger and I have to keep them safe and I think even on top of that I've decided that you are um, the like heirs to this ancient prophecy of my religion and so like, I, I've just I've just gotta like lock that down and make sure that you don't get into too much trouble <laughs> <laughs> alright my character is Dirtbag the Bard and <laughs> I am, I'm a little bit afraid of Kua, but also, like, inspired by her. Is Kua a girl? Or... Yeah, she's a girl. Yeah. Like, can't, can't you tell Kua is such a feminine name? <laughs> I think Kua is, like, a badass, and I would follow her ideas, because they usually lead to something interesting and fun happening. <laughs> Very cool. And with that, let's let's start getting into the party. And let's start with Kwa's sibling, Dandelion. And first up, we should introduce that this is Atmaja Pundia, who is also a person who does comics. And she is responsible for the wonderful Travelog comic uh, that I read uh, every week and wait for with <laughs> impatient entitlement as I... <laughs> Stare oh. at the screen and refresh constantly until it appears in front of me. Bless uh, you, James. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, and tell us a little bit about Dandelion. What does she look like? Okay, um, I think I've made a turn heel decision that Dandelion should be um, male. Ooh, hmm. cool. I'm very into brother sister troublemaking siblings because I have a troublemaking brother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Dandelion is stout and solid and also has a large poof of rumbly, feathery hair and is a little more timid than Kwa, but is totally in awe of his rough, like, rough and tumble sister and wants to be just as badass as her. Can I, can I swear? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> I did it already. <laughs> I imagine that he prefers to be barefoot all the time and wears, like, similarly, like, rags and various scraps of fabric just sort of, like, haphazardly wrapped around his person. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I like like that. I like that as the more timid of the troublesome twins. And Dandelion is a druid, correct? Yes. Cool. (laughs) Uh, One thought everyone's character has about Dandelion. Uh, We can start with you, Kat, since you're... Okay. Far away. Um, yeah, so Dandelion is obviously the best brother in the world. Uh, he shares my hunger for glory, and the earth will tremble at our passing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful. Vatch <laughs> seems to uh, view the Tater Tot siblings as one unit, so that <laughs> 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 one are pretty much the feelings about the other. She sees them as meddlesome and kind of like, oh, get out from underfoot, but 
you know, she still she still has a special place in her heart for them just because she knows they've been through a lot together. Yeah, I also believe Dandelion is the other half of the (laughs) ancestral prophecy. (laughs) Um, And Dandelion is a little bit more trustworthy. And so I think I maybe like, like tell you a little bit more about it. And like, I'm like, you'll, you'll both save our people, but like, you'll save them a little bit. (laughs) Dirtbag is writing about, about the adventures of Dandelion. Dandelion. Where it blows, nobody knows. Yeah, dirt bag is just here to celebrate dandelion. <laughs> It's rad. So the next person that I'm about to introduce is also a talented cartoonist who does a webcomic that I read as well called Hey Jaina, uh, which is this wonderful, like, a, a lot of it hasn't unfolded yet, but it's a sort of paranormal investigators who are also disaffected teens. Uh, and the art on this is really cool. Uh, I love everyone's character design in it so far. And the ghosts, I think, have been my favorite. Uh, so if you're somebody who likes uh, paranormal comics, you should definitely check it out. Let's learn a little bit about your character, Amanda. Um, my character's name is Batch Mavlinian. She was raised in a prominent family, but um, she sort of rejected the, the elitism of her parents and, you know, the, the wealth that went along with it. She has a square jaw and sharp eyes and her hair is um sort of longer in the front than in the back so it's always like sort of in her face and she thinks she's really cool but she's really not that cool um (laughs) she wears a tunic that was embroidered with like all different gemstones but because she's rejecting the wealth of her family like if she sees someone in need she will like rip a gemstone off and give it to them so like it's all ratty now and it's like missing stones so she thinks it adds to her image of being like a, a robin hood type figure but it really makes her look like crazy so she's trying to make up for um the ways that her family has taken advantage of the people in their their hometown so um that's something she's trying to build upon in this adventure just trying to like make up for the sins of the father essentially cool very cool and what does everybody think about batch so Kua uh, likes Vatch, but is also really baffled by her. Her ways are strange and confusing because it just seems odd that you would have gemstones and give them away. That doesn't make, that doesn't compute. <laughs> um, so like she has a, a place of deep affection, but just kind of watches aghast whenever she gets up to any acts of altruism. Cybelle, <laughs> the cleric, is working on. That seems sort of like a lost soul, and I'm kind of working on converting her to my faith. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think she could be a candidate. <laughs> uh, Dandelion sort of sees the, the wounded soul underneath the, the, the tough exterior and doesn't know what to make of it, also because <laughs> he's very much a blunt say how it is person and does not understand complexities and intricacies of human nature Uh, (laughs) (laughs) dirtbag is always giving batch crap for her upper class background much as she's trying to like rid herself of it and you know being raised with a silver spoon even though dirtbag would like to ascend these riches and have a little gemstone (laughs) cape himself but he's like kind of taking it out on batch (laughs) (laughs) And uh, next up, we have uh, Molly Ostertag, 
who does one of my favorite web comics out right now <laughs> because I'm a huge fan of superhero comics. Uh, I think everybody who follows me on Twitter knows I'm a big fan of Spider-Man and I also read a lot of DC stuff, but the comics don't always line up with how, with the discussions I would like people to have through art. And Strong Female Protagonist is one of those comics that always addresses every issue with the words that I wish I could find for it. Um, and the art is tremendous. If you are a fan of superheroes, I definitely recommend Strong Female Protagonist. Molly, welcome to the show. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about your character? Yeah, I'm playing uh, Cybelle. She's a dwarven cleric. <laughs> she is a very, very nice person and, like, just wants everyone to be so safe and, like, just wants to take care of everyone, especially the twins. Um, and, like, her god asked for blood sacrifices, but, like, it's, like, she's, like, so nice. Um, <laughs> like, fine. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's <laughs> her duality, kind of. And she looks like a, a little squat little dwarven woman. Um, I think she... Either because she's like lives most of her life underground, or because of her genetics, she's like albino, level pale, like very pale skin, and then like a lot of like white hair, like loads and loads of white hair, um, and leather robes. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> very cool. And uh, what does everybody think of Cybelle? Cybelle. Cybelle. Cybelle with a B. Kua has it all turned about in her head and she thinks that Cybelle is the one who gets into trouble because like she goes out and does these things and then Cybelle tries to save her and ends up getting herself in trouble in the process. So she has it like totally messed up. That's perfect. Dandelion thinks Cybelle is very trustworthy because she's nice to him and has shown Cybelle secret druid ways and in return Cybelle has tasted Dandelion's blood. What? I tasted <laughs> Yeah, that's normal. Yeah, it's totally normal in a religion that demands blood sacrifice. That's like a Tuesday. Got a yeah. good working relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, Batch thinks that um, Cybele is like a good person deep down, but they're kind of weirded out by, by how religious they are and spiritual. So, um, yeah, it seems to be a lot for Vash to process how someone could be so in touch with, with the spirits and not be so concerned with, like, worldly possessions. Uh, Dirtbag is also an atheist, so he doesn't, like... It's like a fantasy world. Like, well, he thinks that Bell's whole, like, prophecy thing the twins is a bunch of crap, and but sees somebody who's so good-hearted that she can be manipulated through her altruism. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I see you as so good-hearted. I think I'll take advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Dirtbag, uh, let's turn to our uh, final, the, the, the person who is controlling Dirtbag and uh, the person who is also organizing the Chainmail Bikini Comics Collection uh, anthology, and that is Hazel New Levant. Hazel, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me on and generally being supportive of Chainmail Bikini, which is, as you said, an anthology of comics about female gamers. And all of the guests here have comics are, that are contributing to Chainmail Bikini. 
Molly did a really cool one about LARPing. Amanda did one about killing your Sims. <laughs> and Alaja did one about video game soundtracks. So just to give you like a preview of how super sweet this anthology is going to be. I did two comics. One's about Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, <laughs> but was my jam, and the other's about Diablo 2, and, like, playing with your friends online. That's, um, that's really cool. Well, one of the things I, I like about it is that we're looking at gaming through all sorts of different perspectives. I mean, there's tabletop and video games in there, and it's not simply the experience of playing the game, but you pointed out one of the comics in the collection is just about music that accompanies video games. I think it's really cool, and I'm one of those comics are like one of the ultimate mediums for art, uh, so... I really love uh, seeing different ideas talked about through that medium. Yeah. Oh, I should mention that we are running a Kickstarter right now to raise funds to print Jamie Bikini and pay the artists, and it's running through April 2nd. And so if anybody out there is into this whole concept of reading like a variety of comics, exploring gaming and female gamers, they should contribute to the kickstarter absolutely Uh, how close are you guys to funding or have you funded oh we have funded (laughs) we are over 200 percent funded right now which is awesome and people should still pledge because all the extra funding is basically going to pay the contributors more for their hard work because drawing comics takes a super long time (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is not one of those projects where you have to wonder about whether or not you'll get the book because it's already funded and uh, the people involved in it have already uh, done successful Kickstarters or are very good friends with people who have done successful Kickstarters. So you're going to get the book and any money that you give them in addition to their goal is going right to those cartoonists. So maybe you don't know Chainmail Bikini and a lot of the people collected in Chainmail Bikini, but if you know a few, you know that you want to see their work rewarded. So head there now. Uh, that link is going to be in the show notes. And now that we've sort of talked about this cool artistic endeavor done by really cool, awesome, good people, let's learn more about Dirtbag. All right, Dirtbag. Not an awesome and cool person, but he is a human bard. His name, his full name is actually Dirk Baggins, but it got sort of shortened to Dirk And he was cursed by a wizard recently, probably for making up an unflattering song about this wizard. The wizard put a magical frog in his throat, so now he's going to be, like, at a disadvantage to any kind of, like, singing thing. Ooh undo this curse on him he has like a little what what do you call those capes that toreadors wear is that like a bolero a bolero jacket yeah he's got like a little like crusty bolero jacket <laughs> that has like worthless brooches pinned all over it it's kind of like the opposite of what batch is doing with like getting rid of the gems dirt bag is like trying to put more jewelry on himself he's here to have adventures and then make up really self-aggrandizing songs about these adventures and oh also he was the child of farmers but he's always trying to like obscure his lineage and you know, make up something a little bit more glamorous. Oh, wow. So he's the opposite of Vatch in many ways, then. 
Uh, well, that's great. What, what does what does everybody think of Dirtbag? Uh, I I love the bonds in this system because this worked perfectly. Uh, Kua thinks that Dirtbag is puny and foolish, but amusing. <laughs> <laughs> I love the halfling thinks that about somebody. Harsh. Um, Dandelion is constantly stressed out by Dirtbag. Everything he does like terrifies him. <laughs> And confuses him and upsets him. Vatch <laughs> uh, actually thinks Dirtbag is kind of cool because <laughs> Dirtbag is like truly working from rags to riches. So <laughs> she has like a certain level of like admiration for his story. Um, and she, she kind of wants to be like him because he's a little bit rough and tumble. And, she, you know, she has no idea what she's doing in terms of like actually being a wilderness expert. So <laughs> she thinks that uh, Dirtbag's kind of got it all together, even though. Uh, she may not be as forthcoming with her uh, admiration of Dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Dirtbag has uh, insulted Cybele's deity on numerous times <laughs> in numerous kinds of verse. Um, and so I do not trust him, but I'm trying not to sh- show it. <laughs> trying to. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, with that, we all have the party introduced, and we understand their dynamic and how they relate to each other. So let's start the adventure. Uh, you guys have been hired by the Duke of Wormcastle. Basically, he's put a general call out to adventurers because in his private hunting woods, uh, game has been disappearing and showing up, you know, disfigured and horribly killed in a nasty way. Uh, and that obviously doesn't sit well with the Duke. So he's called the most dangerous people in the land to come and investigate, uh, this, this horrible thing that seems to have made its way onto his land. Uh, so you guys are deep in the Duke's private wood. Uh, looking around for whatever could be causing these problems. What are you doing? I think I might um, be uh, petitioning my god. Have we been here? We've been here for a while, right? Like we're kind of yeah, yeah. You've you've been looking for the past couple of days, and you've definitely found evidence of something being in the woods, but you can't make heads or tails of it because it's not like something that you've encountered personally before. So I was a little worried because. It, it could be anything. It could be something really bad, like much worse than we can handle. Because to be honest, like we're not the most dangerous people in the land, but like we were the only three <laughs> ones um, at, the, at the time. Like, you were by the phone. We had a no in our schedule. Yeah, a busy schedule of um, drinking in the tavern. <laughs> um, so yeah, Cybele is going to try to find a small creature and uh, murder it with a sacrificial dagger to beseech my deity to give me a sign. So, All right. Well, it sounds like the first step on that is attracting or finding a creature. Uh, Yeah. Um, Can one of you help me with that? Uh, Vash or Dandelion? You like animals. (laughs) Well, Vash actually has an animal companion um, (laughs) named Rust. Um, Incidentally, you know, we, we find out that uh, Rust actually knows uh, Kua and uh, Dandelion through proxy, um, <laughs> you know, through their, their background with Crocan. <laughs> um, so Rust um, can sort of, well... Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. No, no, no. Gonna Russ, can help, Russ can help find Good. an animal that that is willing to be sacrificed. Oh, great, great. Uh, <laughs> well, 
because you know life in that forest has not been so great since uh, <laughs> since the the terror has. You're right. Over. This will be a quick if if Russ can like talk to a squirrel or something. Yeah. Like, this will be a quick a quick painless death. I I think so. I just as need well. just a small soul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a small a willing soul. What's yeah. your cleric's alignment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I guess just sending rust out to. Just like a squirrel would be fine. Yeah. All Chimp right. is probably a little too small. Uh, so you, with your animal companion, uh, chose uh, one of four sets of like little stats. And essentially, I want you, uh, whichever one you chose, add your animal's cunning to this role. And that will be how it manages to ferret out uh, whatever small animal that you could find. Okay, cool. So that's rolling two d6s? Yes, it's rolling two d6 and adding the cunning. Alright, ten. Ten. Oh, ten is a, a perfect success. Uh, so what, what, right. what kind of animal was, was uh, Rust again? Uh, Rust is a crow. A crow. Oh, oh, perfect. Okay. So, uh, Rust, uh, is on your shoulder. Uh, you whisper words that are your bond between yourself and Rust, and it takes flight. Uh, it circles up. You can see it, uh, through the, uh, like, lazily drifting in a circle around the trees, and it dives down into the trees. Uh, you hear, some squawking and tweeting, uh, and feathers flapping, uh, leaves drift down from the tree above you. Uh, um, I need a shout out. I need it alive. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a somewhat, uh, like haughty squawking coming from the tree, uh, as it, uh, flat, it passes overhead and drops gently in your palm an egg and lands once again on uh its master's shoulder can we eat it <laughs> well well dandelion i need to i need it for, i need it for this it's not alive is it <laughs> I, you know, i've never done this with an egg before i think it's worth i think if russ brought it to us it's i think trying. yeah i think it'll be all right all right mm-hmm. um russ is usually okay <laughs> usually yeah yeah I, he's the that bird has got a good head on his shoulders <laughs> what type of what type of egg is it Looks like is it a big egg or a little egg? Uh, I'll say it's uh it's a biggish egg. It has red spots on it. Wow, I don't know what kind of egg this could be. What do you guys think, Dandelion? What is that? I think we should eat it. <laughs> Probably be dangerous, and I think it would be safest for us <laughs> for us to take care of it. To eat it? Yes. What do you think, Flo? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, what type of animal does it belong to? Oh, uh, hmm. And you can figure this out by rolling your wisdom and uh, 2d6 to discern realities. And you'll be able to ask me three questions about the egg, and I will have to tell you the truth, should you fully succeed. Okay, and- it probably belongs to whatever's been mutilating the game. This is like the baby form. Oh. I mean... Oh, we haven't seen any egg with red spots before. I mean, it's true. It's true. Very good point. Okay, there yeah. aren't any birds in the dwarven underground, so this is all new to me. <laughs> you yeah. can tell me anything was an egg. And I but think it could be like a not just uh, birds have eggs. It could be like a snake egg, like a turtle egg, lots of eggs. Yeah, and I think Russ would know better than to bring back a crow egg. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, Russ just shoots you a look at that comment. <laughs> 
<laughs> Calm down there. Okay, so I, I roll and then um, add your wisdom. The the top wisdom. Yeah, there. modifier. Just the okay. One. Um. Oh shoot. Okay. So ten, twelve. 12. Okay, so you can ask me three questions from the Discern Realities list. Um, and to remind our audience, that is, what happened here recently? What is about to happen? What should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or valuable to me? Who is really in control here? And what here is not what it appears to be? Wow. Okay, so what here is not what it appears to be? Uh, so you look at this egg, uh, and this does look like a bird egg to the untrained eye. However, you're a druid. You've been around the block. Nature has whispered to you its secrets, and you know all of them. This is, these spots on this egg are showing a corruption of a living thing. Whatever is in this egg is still living, but it no longer is the form that it once was. Uh, so this egg is, uh, somewhat of a, of a misdirection. What should I be on the lookout for? Uh, the sort of creature that could create this sort of thing is dangerous. Uh, it would probably be very large because whatever it was, uh, was able to reach up into a tree. It might also be a very crafty climber or be a flyer, but you know that it must be powerful, whatever it is. What is about to happen? You look at the egg, you look around the woods, and you start uh, going through the different clues that you found in the woods. You found a deer, uh, all had been, all on its body had been eaten except for its head. Uh, you found, uh, disturbances in the earth, uh, different flower patches that, uh, collapsed into the ground. You drop your hands to the ground and you, uh, for a second commune with the grass. You talk to its roots and you feel that they've been disturbed and nature itself speaks out to you and tells you something is inside me and it will be after you soon. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm very small. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we should probably eat this, because, like, if it's blighted, it's not going to be of any use for your, you know, sacrifice, right? Right? We should just eat no, it. don't put that inside your body. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't eat it. <laughs> well, let me, I think if I use it, it will be extra good for my sacrifice, because it must be linked but, to this, this thing. But if it's corrupted, couldn't it possibly unleash some sort of terrible power within it? If you mix, that's a good point. You mix two evils. Two yeah. evils. Oh, that's what I was saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Lots of lots of deities demand a blood sacrifice. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's profiling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let, look, let me just 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 trust me. Just trust me. All right. Okay. That's what I always say. Um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm like a flat stone. I'm gonna like take out some chalk and like draw a little ritual circle, um, and then <laughs> uh, I guess place the egg in the middle of the circle and take out a beautiful carved stone dagger um, and like like pierce the egg with the dagger. It's obviously supposed to be for like slitting throats but it's yeah 
yeah, yeah no. there's there's still some uh, a little bit of uh, blood that you couldn't quite wash out of it uh, from the last time you had to slit the throat of something. But it, we can assume it was probably a bad something, right? I mean, plenty of gods demand blood sacrifice, so it's fine. It's fine. You stab into the egg, uh, and. Yeah. This what what should be the yolk starts bubbling out of it. Uh, it's this sort of uh, thick, I'm gonna say maroon substance uh, bubbles out of it, and it's like there's more of the substance than there should be. There's a tiny creature that's wrapped itself around the yolk. It looks like a sickly worm you can't quite figure out what the uh color is because it's covered in the rest of the substance but the chalk circle uh little flames leap out of the different sigils and runes that you have uh made with the chalk and they start burning towards the center of the circle and they consume this corrupted egg and then a fire rises up and it takes a the shape of uh something related to your god what is something a, a symbol that would be related to your god that would appear in a fire so i think my god uh the like only place where you can worship it is this very deep chasm in the dwarven underground it's <laughs> like it's like a scary face with an open mouth and you like put the sacrifices in there and so maybe it would appear like that um stone-carved person. Oh, cool. Okay, uh, so it burns away all of the corruption uh, as as this, like, carving uh, made of living fire sort of spreads out around the chalk circle, and then it recedes into a pile of ash, and what's left in its place is a stone vial with a cork top. I hold dandelion back because they're reaching for it as if they want to eat it. <laughs> okay. You just you just cooked an egg, right? So it must be edible now. <laughs> um. Yeah. I guess I'm gonna wrap my hands on a little bit of robes and like reach out and pick it up. This is not normal. This isn't usually usually it's, usually it's a little bit clearer. <laughs> You know, like mystical words or something. God's God's work in many mysterious ways. You hold it. It's got some heft to it because it seems like there's a liquid of some sort inside. And as you're puzzling over what this could possibly mean, out, uh, I'd say probably a couple hundred yards away, there are several birds suddenly fleeing from trees. Uh, and you hear like the death rattle of a rabbit and feel a low rumbling in the earth. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm curious what the thing is. So no matter what else is going on, I'm going to grab it and try to spout lore about it. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Roll that spout lore cat. Uh, I got a nine. Got a nine. Okay. You grab it and you're like, Playing around with it, uh, first thing you try to do whenever you receive a substance of any kind is you uncork it. Um, yes. And then you approach it, and you the way you approach it is interesting. Uh, much like a crow, you like lean your face in towards it, then you twist your face one way, you twist your face another way, and uh, you, much like a crow would peck at it with its beak, you like nibble at it with your lips a little bit, and mm-hmm. immediately it tastes awful. It's one of the most mm-hmm. awful tasting things that you've ever had in your mouth. You cork it up and you immediately uh, shove it back into Sabelle's chest. 
no, 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 no. <laughs> no, not good. Not good at all. I sit there grumbling about it as the woods continue to convulse around us. <laughs> Yeah, uh, several several deer run past you, uh, and uh, dandelion. Like one of one of the deer stops and like gives you a side eye. What the hell are you doing, man? Get out of here! And continues uh, running away. Oh, I'm stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna snatch the vial back and tuck it away into a pouch. Hmm. <laughs> uh, we got we've got a we've got a hide. Is there a place to hide? Is there a place to run? Uh, we should get out of here. <laughs> they think there's something coming, guys. Yes, okay. Every animal in the forest is yelling, is screaming to get out, and we need to get But that's where the danger is, and that's what we need to do. Right? We need to find the danger. But what if it's too dangerous? I, yes, I agree. No, I don't know. What do you think, Kua? I think that if we're really brave adventurers, we should stay. Okay, she yes. draws her scythe and I takes, agree. like, the leather sheath off of it. Batch and dirtbag just look at each other. <laughs> Kind of bewildered at this exchange that's going on right now. Uh, save the animals, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there I any- back at the rest of you. Uh, all of you should probably hide, though. Yeah, is there anywhere to hide around here? So there are plenty of trees around here. Uh, this is a forest that appears to be a little bit of a planned forest. The trees aren't in perfect rows, but they are sort of in rows. Uh, so there are regular separations between the trees. Uh, not too far from you is a little bit of a clearing. I can't say that there'd be much of a hiding spot there, but uh, there is tall grass. So if you were careful and stealthy, you might be able to conceal yourselves there as well. Um, I'm going to grab the twins first and like move them behind a tree of the appropriate size and then like start doing the same to batch and dirt bag are the trees climbable at all absolutely absolutely they'd be climbable all right i start trying to climb up one because there's there's safety and altitude obviously yeah, Dirtbag is a you know a talented climber. There are all sorts of situations uh, that you would need to climb. Uh, for instance, people only build the walls on bathhouses so high. Uh, <laughs> right, you're trying to climb out of somebody's window in the middle of the night. Right, right. <laughs> Dirtbag, that's, that's one of Dirtbag's talents. So you scramble your way up the tree and you sort of... Take, take stock of what's happening in your surroundings and what you see freaks you out a little bit. Heading towards you at a quick rate is uh, one of those uh, Bugs Bunny style disturbances of Earth. There is something boring through the ground uh, that's headed right towards you and your friends. And just before it reaches you, it disappears like the the boring stops at least as far as you can tell. And you feel the tree waver a little bit. Oh, shit, guys. There's something boring, and I don't mean, like, dull. Like, <laughs> like bad boring. Like, underground. That's such a nonspecific word. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, there's, like, a giant mole. Like, a giant mole man that came out of a cursed oh, egg, no. probably. Hmm. Should we join Dirtbag of the Trees? Well, is the forest still shaking? Uh, the forest is like, occasionally the ground beneath you rumbles a little bit. It's not like a, a consistent tremor. 
it's just you can feel it, especially if you're looking for that feeling. You can feel things beneath you shift. Is the top of the tree like swaying where I'm at? Does it seem precarious at all? It doesn't seem precarious. Like it feels to you like this is a solid tree. It's just sometimes it shakes as though someone were messing with the tree, like pushing on it a little bit. You're confident with that because you've had all sorts of uh, unstable surfaces that you've climbed on. It's just, <laughs> it's just you feel something messing with it. All right, I think I'm gonna stick here. Can I see sort of which direction the animals are running? Am I high up enough for that? Uh, yeah yeah i'll say you can definitely see uh that the animals uh because the disturbance is so regular you see the animals fleeing in all sorts of uh, directions that are away from near you well i know i haven't had a bath in a while but (laughs) <laughs> they like pheromones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, so we should stay perfectly still, right? Uh, Disagree. I think we should probably go see if it's uh, actually making tunnels because that's going to destabilize these trees. What did you learn about trees? I know a lot about things. We grew up near trees. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Didn't you grow up in tunnels? I do know. With your knowledge about trees and my knowledge about tunnels. We can figure something out. So, uh, dirtbag, what direction? Where? Where's the closest mound's earth? <laughs> like, where was it recently? Over that way. Yeah, it's like, probably she, like, not very far. Dirtbag uh, points his finger off in a direction, and you can get, now that it's been pointed out to you guys on the ground, you can see there is a mound of disturbed earth about fifty feet away from you. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go over and check it out with my. knowledge of tunnels yeah yeah you definitely have this dwarven knowledge of tunnels Uh, i'm going to say that that will be a spout lore check oh yeah that makes sense uh so so that's a wisdom yeah cool that's a 12 so you head over to the mound of earth and you like pull some of it aside and you peer inside for a human, it would just be utter darkness, but you're a dwarf and you grew up in the darkness and you can see perfectly fine. You notice that the walls of the earth are coated in a thick, slimy substance uh, and the smell just reeks. It assaults your dwarven nose and you do notice that this tunnel curves along away from tree roots. Interesting. Is the slime the same stuff that was in the egg? Ah, so you uh, grab some of the slime. Uh, it's uh, well established in classic D&D, and I sort of like it here, too, that dark vision is black and white. So you okay. grab some of the slime, you bring it into the sunlight, and yes, it is this gross, maroony, corruptive substance. Oh, yeah, there's something really bad here. <laughs> this is... This is terrible, and it smells terrible. I hate it. Which I think is the bigger problem. It smells terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to wipe my hand down, and then covering my nose, I'm going to go back in and, like, I don't know. I guess I guess that's everything I saw that I could see. But I mean, You can hop down into the tunnel if you want. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Is it large enough for, uh, like, a full-size person to go down as well? Because I know that the dwarven stature is quite small. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll say a full-size person could go down in there if they were bending a little bit. Okay. But certainly you could get in. 
So I will join uh, Sybil yeah. as she enters the tunnel full of slime. <laughs> join me in this tunnel, tunnel hill. We cut over to Dirtbag, who's up still in the tree. <laughs> uh, you're you're like your your head's on the swivel. You're on the lookout. You see your friends over there, and you're like looking for signs of this thing and whatever it could be elsewhere. Uh, and you notice there is a wounded fox uh that's like hobbling along in, in in the glade it's clearly older um it must have gotten hurt doing something earlier uh but it's nervously looking around and then suddenly the ground beneath it shakes and it freezes it doesn't know what to do you're sort of looking at it helpless up in the tree and then the earth around it explodes and you see moving very quickly these horrible jaws close around it as it bites the earth that it was standing on and swallows the fox and pulls it down underground. All right. I jump out of the tree and I try to pull Scythel and Batch out of the tunnel. Don't do it, guys. Uh, what is it? It's left. It's a... Uh... It's a snake worm monster with enormous jaws. And I know I said that last time, but it really <laughs> like... Wait, you saw it? it? It ate a fox. Oh, God. It, it came and it just... It was like a giant dentata situation. Oh, we're all so much bigger than a fox. <laughs> <laughs> I clamber out of the hole and uh, just go over to um, Dandelion and Qua and make sure that they are okay because they're still sort of ducked in the grass fields. I want to make sure that they're not too shaken up. Yeah, Dandelion uh, and Qua, you guys were close enough to have seen that. How did you react to that? Uh, <laughs> Operation Sunstar? Operation Sunstar is running directly at the problem. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, I felt the fox die very viscerally, and I do not like it, but I trust Qua with my life. Let's do it. Operation Sunstar. Go! So we like hold hands and start like, running. Tiny pattering feet. <laughs> <laughs> I try and reach out to grab them to, to stop them from going, but they're too small and fast. So they just bolt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then I run right after them. <laughs> so we at least get to the area. Is it still there when we get there? Yeah, you see something slithering just underground. Um,. Now you you can tell me uh how how do halflings see uh because I don't think you're naturally tunneling creatures uh so is it just normal human sight in your opinion I think we might get we might get half light in D and D I think they get half light vision okay so you yeah. do see uh like very quick oily movement moving beneath the earth mm. we have we have this vial of mysterious blood god juice that was gifted upon us. Could it, could it be a sign that we need to use it against this monster? Yeah, I'm going to run up out of breath and uh, take take that out, like, keeping my distance and, like, pop the cork off and sort of hold it out to see if anything happens. Uh, so you She's don't... getting into trouble again. <laughs> yeah, there she is getting into <laughs> trouble. Stay, stay behind me, kids. I will tell you guys, there is no formal initiative system in Dungeon World. So when you enter a combat situation, which this is very quickly becoming, and you have an idea, you just say it. If it appears an appropriate time for you to uh, 
do whatever you want to do, do it. Uh, so we have here this magnificently horrible creature is moving underground and you're standing in front of a gaping open hole where you can see its body moving. One of your comrades is holding forth this stone vial that was gifted to her by her god. The rest of you are sort of freaking out a little bit. What do you do? I get out my brain here and I jab at the lump in the ground like I'm trying to like destroy a pimple or something. <laughs> cool. Uh, I want you to roll your hack and slash. That's adding your strength to 2d6. Alright. Oof. Seven. Seven. So that is still a partial success. You deal damage against the enemy, but the enemy also gets to make an attack against you. So... I want you to roll your damage. And for a bard, that is a d6. One. All right. So you poke into the earth and uh, you feel your sword scrape against something very thick and very hard. And your blade pokes into it and the rapier sort of bends a little bit. Uh, and you don't feel that you've actually pierced into anything. And then the earth beneath you flicks and you flip up into the air as you're thrown back and you take four damage. Um, and in Dungeon World, be sure to subtract any armor that you have from the damage that you take uh, as you're thrown back onto the ground as like more earth explodes up beneath you. I have a question about uh, defend. So do I... Can I only defend on my turn, or do there I get are, to defend There are no turns. Turn? There are no turns, so you can defend whenever you feel that it is appropriate for you to defend. When it, the monster goes to try to hit my friend, am I allowed to, like, step through and sweep my scythe out so that it's, like, where it comes out of the ground? Absolutely. So, uh, nah, I just got a five. So a five, you jump in, you, like you run in to try and help because you saw the ground shift uh, beneath Dirtbag immediately before it happened. So you ran over to try and step in as you normally do, but you actually get caught up in the explosion of Dirt Clods and you take four damage as well. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Who wants to do something? I, am I paralyzed with fear? No, I gotta help my, I gotta help my sister. Um, yeah, you're not paralyzed with fear. You see that your sister's in danger, nature's in danger, and although you're scared, you're still a hero, and heroes overcome their fear. Yes. My sense of duty has been riled. Okay. But all I have is a... Sh- what is it? Shola? Sh- shalele. A shalele. <laughs> Heck <laughs> a yeah. club. Um... So I, in a futile attempt and reckless courage, I beat at the ground with my club. Oh, interesting. Okay. (laughs) I will say uh, that you can either run this as an attack if you want, or I'll give you the option of making this an aid. Essentially, uh, if you succeed on the aid, you will help someone else in their next action by striking at the ground. Oh, yes. Okay, I will try that. So... So, yeah, you you would roll uh, plus bond. So uh, take uh, one of one of the thoughts you have uh, about somebody and just add plus one for having one of those thoughts. Like 
Which which person are you most likely to aid in this circumstance in um, an attack against the creature? Um, in, in this immediate circumstance, Qua, because she's in danger. Um, in the bigger picture, Cybele, because. So you think, I, I think Cybele is a good choice because you think Cybele is in a position to do something about this right now. Um, because you're, you're like, you saw your sister's in danger, you want to help your sister, but the person that you're going to help attack something would be Cybele. Yes, okay. So, um, uh, so roll 2d6 plus 1. So, not 10? 10. 10 is perfect. Yay! <laughs> Uh, so you can, uh, give plus one, uh, to the, to Cybele, uh, as she tries to attack this thing or do whatever that she wants to do. Cool. Um, thanks for that. <laughs> um, I, so I think, so what I wanted to do was like flick some of the liquid from the vial onto this thing. Um, and I think, so I think maybe, like, banged on the ground and, like, drew it up there or something. And to, like, agitate it? Yeah, to, like, give me an opening. Um, so then I, definitely not all of it, but I, I like, do a little shot. So shot. I, I like that. What happens? Uh, she bangs on the ground with her shillelagh and just, like, shouting uh, incoherent things in her druidic language, the language of nature. And uh, the pounding is soon answered by the rumbles of the earth, and the earth explodes right before you where you were banging on the ground with the shillelagh. And, uh, shillelagh, and first... Thank you. Yeah, jeez. For the first time, uh, this creature is revealed in the sunlight. It is a horrible, insectoid-looking, snake-like creature. Its skin is a dark purple, and it's covered in a chitinous exoskeleton, and the thick uh, maroon slime drips off of its body as it hisses with a huge, yawning, gaping mouth full of hundreds of teeth aligned in a circular pattern. And several bulbous eyes that have a milky white film over them uh, look around the air and they spot all of you. What it doesn't see, because it was paying too much attention to the rhythmic pounding of the shillelagh, is the cleric standing behind it with a stone vial. Um, are you going to roll an attack against it, or uh, do you want to uh, try and hurt this creature in some other way? How are you? How? What are you doing? Mm, well, I wanted. Yeah, that's a good call because I don't actually. It's like an experiment, so I don't know if it's an attack or not. Okay. I'll help. <laughs> that's. I see them kind of <laughs> floundering to know what to do. So I like put my side in the ground to like be able to kick up in the air and flail my limbs around, and I'm like, "Fight me! Just fight me!" <laughs> um, so I'm using. Um, what are you waiting for? Cool. Okay, so I get eleven. Um, so on a 10 plus, they treat me as the most obvious thing to be de- dealt with and ignore my companions, but they get plus two damage on me. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so then as soon as like it focuses in on me, I start running around in a big circle around everyone. So hopefully it'll just keep chasing me. Let's see how this goes. So this thing uh, strikes incredibly swiftly, and I heard two other things that are happening at the same time. So it pops out of the ground. It sort of looks on all of you, and suddenly uh, we we have Qua 
come in very quickly uh, and make herself the most obvious target, flailing around, uh, waving her scythe up in the air, and the creature lunges out of the ground at Qua. Clearly not as quick as Qua, but only by a little bit. Uh, you start turning and moving as it's bringing more and more of its body out of the earth to chase after you. Meanwhile, Cybele flicks some of the substance onto the creature. And uh, you notice, like, the substance, it's hard to hit the creature directly, but it hits the ground uh, right before your friend, like, walks across it. The creature is chasing, about to catch up with Qua when it uh, gets to the area of grass where the substance is and suddenly lunges back uh, and tries to go around it, still pursuing your friend. At the same time, I believe I heard Vatch was going to fire some arrows at it. Yes, well, <laughs> now that we've seen that um, it is averse to the substance, whatever it is, um, I decide to take some of my arrows and coat them in the substance to see if it will actually um, penetrate the strange exoskeleton that is on this creature. So um, I suppose this is a hack and slash? Or... Uh, that, this would actually, because you're using arrows, it would be a volley. Okay, volley. And that uses your dexterity. Okay. That's a smart idea. Okay. A ten. Ten. So. Uh, ten is definitely a hit. It's a hit with no penalties. Uh, so, uh, roll your damage. So that's your damage die. Okay. Oh, so D eight. Does she add anything to damage? Uh, no. It's just the straight die roll. There, most creatures don't have that many hit points. Okay, so that's a six. That's a six. All yeah. right. Your your arrows fly through the air. They've got a small coating of this substance on them. And uh, you're also aiming very carefully. And you aim at sort of the areas of the exoskeleton where they meet, where you feel that uh, they'll be weaker. The arrows punch through the creature's, uh, the, the surface of the creature's skin and into it. There's like... A horrible smell that fills the air as the creature starts to bleed with the thick maroon substance that it bleeds. Um, and uh, you can definitely tell that you hurt this creature quite a bit. I'm like so worried about. <laughs> <laughs> She's just yeah. laughing and having a grand old time. She's trying to tie it in a <laughs> knot. <laughs> Cast a bless upon her. Uh, I'd be like, Quas, this is so stupid. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'd be like, this isn't a reward, but I want to make sure you're okay. Um, <laughs> trying to cast. Okay, wisdom. Cool. Uh, I get a seven. So. so that is a partial success. Yeah, so the good stuff is that you get uh, plus one um, to your damage as long as battle continues. Uh, although you take minus, minus one to cast a spell, but you don't care about that. <laughs> um, and so I have like three options for what happens because I only partially succeeded. Yes. Um, and obviously I'm going to choose drawing unwelcome attention to myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm shouting so loudly at, at Kawa for putting herself in danger that I think I attract the attention of the worm. So you speak the sacred words of your god and like the shining, the, the shining light of uh, the dwarven earth uh, appears around Qua 
But the worm slows in its pursuit of Qua and turns around and focuses on you as you're finishing up your spell and then immediately dives towards you, uh, trying to, trying to swallow you with its jaws. Uh, it does not succeed, but it does crash into you as you barely manage to get out of the way of being swallowed, uh, and you take six damage. Oh no! Dang it. All uh, right. I'm hurt. <laughs> What happens to the um, vial during all of this? Because I believe... Uh, you probably had it I, I have the vial, yeah. okay. Yeah, you had the vial because you were dipping your arrows in it. Also, it's made out of stone, which is a very practical thing to make a vial out of. Um, Dirtbag is going to grab the arrow that Batch like shot into the carapace of the worm and try to sort of work it around and make the worm Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so you twist the knife. Yes, exactly. Uh, I like that. Uh, I want you to make a hack and slash roll, uh, with plus one for your, for your clever idea there. Alright. Um, do I add my strength to hack and slash? Add your dexterity. Dexterity. Okay, so eight altogether. Eight. Uh, so yeah, you, you definitely succeed on that. Um, Let's see. The drawback for hack and slash. Oh, is that you just don't get to do extra damage. Um, cool. And that the enemy makes an attack against you. So you, uh, just plunge the arrow in and you're like churning it around a little bit. It's not altogether that different than your rapier. It's, you know, a very precise and thin weapon that you plunge deeper into this creature's body. Um, however, the creature is very large and very powerful. And even with a small flick of its body, it can send you flying. So you did a ton of damage to it. The creature wails in pain and then flicks its body. And you're actually trapped partially underneath it as you take a staggering eight damage. Yeah. 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 Getting a little worried about my... my, uh... My what part of me is trapped underneath the uh, the thingy? Like my leg? Yeah, i like. Uh, do you want it to be a leg, an arm? How do you want to be pinned? <laughs> I, think my, I think I'm beating at it with both fists. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're you're pounding on it and swearing at it as it's uh, just like crawling over you and kind of ignoring your blows now that you're not plunging an arrow around into its vital organs. <laughs> All right, uh, so we haven't heard from either Dandelion uh, or our friend Qua in a while. I can shapeshift. Yes, you absolutely can shapeshift. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's great. Since we've seen that the vial affects it and that it's really hard on the outside, uh, Qua looks to Dandelion and is like, Operation Gullet! And then runs to... Uh, <laughs> Vatch and like grabs the vial and throws it to her brother, um, so that he can possibly go through Operation Gullet since he can transform. God damn it! (laughs) (laughs) Terrible, terrible small on the ground. I was like, no, (laughs) not Operation Gullet. Okay, so um, I can I can shapeshift into any creature that. I can shapeshift into a creature that reflects the spirit of my land. Yeah, so where where are you from? 
I'm from the towering mountain, so I'm thinking a bird of some kind. Yeah, you could definitely become a bird. You could become a mountain lion. I think bears also live on mountains, uh, mountain goats, uh, all sorts of creatures. That's good for goat rhyming. <laughs> goat? Like with big horns? But, but then how would, I, how would I hold the vial, though? Oh. In your mouth. <laughs> I was thinking a bird and, like, a talons, like... If I could, like, swoop in into the gullet and toss it in. Yeah, you can, like, swoop into its mouth, drop the thing, swoop back out. Okay, can I Okay, can I roll for this? Absolutely you can roll for it. Uh, you're adding your wisdom. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, is it the D6 again? Yeah, 2D6. Yeah, okay. 8 plus 10. Ah, 10 is perfect. So yeah. you get... Uh, Essentially, the way this works is you get to have three aspects of whatever creature you've transformed into. Um, and uh, since this is a fantasy world and the creatures don't necessarily reflect creatures in our real world, what sort of bird have you transformed into? Okay, so all I need are powerful talons, large, <laughs> powerful wings, and... Hmm. Mm, keen eyes and swiftness. So I, I guess it, it needs to be kind of a big bird. So like an, an eagle, a peregrine falcon, a, a fantasy peregrine falcon. Oh. Okay, so a fantasy peregrine falcon. So it has the speed of our peregrine falcon and the size of our eagles. So it's yes. a tremendous creature uh, that looks like really aerodynamic and super cool. It's also got really buff wings. You can tell just by looking at it. Very important that it looks as cool as possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it looks it looks closer to a Pokemon than it does a normal yeah. bird. <laughs> um, but you grab you grab the substance in your talons uh, and you swoop towards the creature's mouth. Um, so, uh, just give me three words, uh, that describe this bird. And each time you do something as this bird, you'll use one of those words, uh, to describe it and that'll sort of be used up. So like if we were talking about a lion, a lion could be powerful, uh, noble and swift. And, uh, you'd be like, I nobly attract the attention of the villagers and win their respect, or I powerfully close my jaws around uh, my enemy's throat, or I swiftly dodge through the arrows. So essentially, uh, you're creating those story moments uh, for yourself in the future. And right now you're swooping through the sky. So what word do you think describes that? I am gracefully swooping through the skies. Cool, cool. You, you, you're gracefully swooping through the skies. So although the creature tries to bite and kill you and swallow you whole, you are, you, like, your movements are too complex. You're, like, diving straight towards the creature, circling around it, and easily outmaneuvering it as it just lumberingly tries to bite at you. Um, and you said you're dropping, uh, as part of Operation Gullet, you're dropping the vial in its, in its stomach? Yes, ideally swooping in close to its mouth, dropping it right in, and getting out of there, and not dying. Yeah, perfect. Well, you rolled super well, so you, uh, drop that, uh, you drop that, uh, rock, uh, vial into its gullet with the cork off. You can hear the liquid glugging out inside the creature, and, you fly away from it and it, it looks 
now angry, but it's wavering, uh, and with your druidic empathy, uh, even though it is a corrupted creature, uh, you can tell, like, it's a still living creature, and it acts like other living creatures. It looks queasy. Um, and it's, it's paused, and at this time, at this critical moment, it's opened itself up to attacks from your allies. Okay, so it's going to bomb, and Dirtbag is still trapped. Underneath. I'm going to cast uh, Magic Weapon. Cool. Summon a Magical Weapon. Um, so, I already have minus one because my Bless is happening, so we'll see how this goes. Ha, I fail. I fail? I, no, I succeed, but I take a disadvantage. Yeah. Um, so, my uh, Quarterstaff uh, glows and like turns from like a simple wooden staff into like a carved stone club. Let's see, I get to pick a disadvantage. I guess um, <laughs> my this, that spell is revoked by my deity after this time. They're like, that's you're good on the magical. It's like, weapon. yeah, we'll give you the magical weapon, but you yeah. really could have been a little bit more elaborate with your chanting, and you could have believed yeah. it a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, in the heat of the moment. Um, uh yeah, and then I'll wang this guy. Yeah, this wang guy. wang the hell out of it. <laughs> um yes, that gives me a plus D4. Oh cool. Um and I get a five. Oh nice, I get nine damage. Nine damage. Nice okay. job. Uh, yeah, so the creature, like, you hit its, and you can feel, like, the resistance of its chitinous skin, but it's really not strong enough to resist, uh, the power of your magical club as, uh, you smack, uh, some of its, like, scales just pop off and its thick blood is sort of rolling out of it. It wails in pain, but, like, that wail also sort of ends in a little bit of a herk because it's going to throw up a little bit, too. Uh, so the creature is super messed up right now, but not yet dead. Well, important note is that I yelled, like, don't hurt my friends! <laughs> And, uh, Kwa, we haven't heard from you in quite some time. What do you do? Uh, since it's, like, starting to, to convulse and, uh, like, its, its mouth is, like, opening and closing as it's gaping for air, um, I'm just gonna put, just swing my scythe into its jaw and try to pull out the side. Uh, a very basic hack and slash move, because I have plus to damage right now. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, just 11. 11. 11 definitely hits. You have the option of putting yourself in danger to do an additional D6 more. Yeah, of course I do that. <laughs> hey, Kat, I just realized that I think my bless actually gives you plus one to everything. Plus one to everything? Awesome. Yeah, it's the damage from rereading it to yourself. Yeah, bless is cool. Okay, so that's, um, oh golly. So I got a nine and then the six is two and then plus one. So that's 12 damage coming at it. Oh my goodness. Okay, uh, so Kat, how do you kill this creature? <laughs> oh no. Okay, um, Cybele's like, leave my friends alone. Um, and I'm like, yeah, and get off dirt bag and just poke <laughs> into it and like pull it to the side so it like, pulls him off of off of my friend and like whacks it into a tree um as like 
kind of green acidy blood squirts out of the rip in its jaw. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, like you, you pull down uh, on its jaw and it falls to the ground, still like about to vomit. Its body lurches off dirt bag um, and dirt bag is pulled to safety by Vatch, who was standing by trying to uh, help her friend. And the creature lets out its vomit, so a bunch of earth and animal bones and partially digested animal flesh comes up, and also a very confused and stressed out fox that's covered in (laughs) slime just sort of like weakly starts crawling out of its mouth. Uh, And with a mighty cry, Qua brings the scythe down uh, on the monster's neck releasing its head from its body as the creature has fallen to the ground, slain. Hooray! You did it. Thanks, Qua. You did alright. That was gross! (laughs) (laughs) I try to get all the birds in the area to start chanting with us. (laughs) (laughs) So that was gross. Yeah, you think think we got it? It looks pretty dead to me. Can, uh, we, can we bring this head back as a trophy to the Duke? Absolutely. I mean, that 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 would be how you would prove that you killed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna go over and uh, poke around, <laughs> like in its insides, kind of with my foot, um, just so like make sure it's dead and to see if there's anything that looks like magical or if it just looks like it's some horrible monster. Uh, do me a favor and roll for me a discern realities. Is that wisdom? Sorry. Uh, discern realities is based on wisdom. Yes. Oh, I got a five. <laughs> oh, five overall. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess, uh, so you get something. Seven to nine, ask one. So you don't get any of the information uh, that would be in discern realities, but you do get general information. Uh, you see the blood that's spilling out from it, and quickly, just with your cleric mind, you were also uh, you also went to school. And in Dwarven school, uh, you learn a lot about calculating the volume of certain things. So you sort of eyeball how big it is, uh, you calculate how long its body should be, and do these calculations in your head very quickly, and you see the blood on the ground, and you go, this creature is scientifically dead. It has lost so much blood that there's no way it could maintain life in its body. And you fold your hands at it like, I figured that out really well. Meanwhile, everybody else is looking at the creature's head, which has been separated from its body, and (laughs) figuring out how to carry it back. Yeah. Good work. Good work. I scientifically killed it. (laughs) All right. Who's who's hurting? I've got a a little something. A little spell. I could use a nip of something around my leg. My leg. Man, took a lot out of me. Taking out that, you know, like setting the whole thing up for qua, like just whatever you got. Dirtbag, that was surprisingly noble of you. Um, so (laughs) yeah. Um, cool. So I got an eleven to heal Dirtbag. Perfect. um, And it's on a one d eight, so I heal you seven points of damage. Awesome. That one that worked out quite well. That worked out really well. Yeah. I think I only have five damage left on me now. Well, he really got you. 
Um, well, you, she is not the only one who can heal, Dirtbag. You, as a bard, actually have the ability to heal um, through <laughs> through your magical songs. <laughs> All right. So, you could have just sung yourself a song. I was using my ancient blood magic on you. I mean, not that I'm unha- not not that I'm unhappy to, but. <laughs> so, to heal myself up, I should write a song about our epic adventure. Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah. You you just uh, you can put together a little ditty if you want, or we can merely say that your character put together a little ditty, depending on how you feel about the situation. No, dirtbag. It's totally gonna put together a ditty. Swing of her scythe was burned. Oh, a gift, dirtbag. Dirtbag. What what sort of instrument do you play? I was well, let's see. I mean, I did just get crushed by a thing. I think I have a tambourine. <laughs> it's, I'm not very, I'm not very like tonal, especially since I got cursed by that wizard, and now I have like more of a rhythm musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm like slapping the tambourine against my side. Quah! Kill the worm! Quah! 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 Yeah, and your your exactly. lyrics because of that curse sound a little bit like frog ribbits, like gua 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 gua. <laughs> is dandelion okay? He didn't get hit, did he? Dandelion is fine, um, as far as I know, because I did a perfect maneuver. But I'm very upset about the whole situation <laughs> and I'm lying down and decompressing. <laughs> yeah, that 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 old fox is like cuddling up next to you. Like, about our you both you both feel pretty gross about everything that just happened. You're not happy about it. That was awesome, bro. Operation Gullet never fails. I just I wheeze loudly and roll over. You're having a little bit of an asthma attack. Oh. I'm gonna like comfort them, sort of, or comfort both of the twins and like congratulate them and I don't know. Under my breath, I'm gonna do something like like the warrior and the winged one. It's all coming true. <laughs> 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 and you're hurt, right? Koal? Yes. Yeah, I have uh, just three points of damage. Can I? I'm, I'm going to start healing you, if that's okay. <laughs> um, yes, I heal you of two points of damage. Thank you. Do a little dwarven cantrip on your injuries. <laughs> So I'm like, you should be more careful. You got hurt as you're like doing the healing. (laughs) Trying to like clean out the wound too. And it's all covered in this gross blood from this gross creature too. Yeah. We need need to get to a stream or something. This could get infected and we would not want that for you too. All right, let's get, let's leave this place. (laughs) Yeah. So, how do you how do you guys uh, grab the creature's head for transportation so you can take it back as your trophy? <laughs> yes. Can we get, get all this together to do it? Who's the strongest? Oh yeah. How big is it? Is it like give us a size for the creature or like a size for its head? I'm yeah. I'm gonna say this thing was like around around five feet thick. Um, but you probably cut its head off so that it's only got like three feet of head. It's a worm, so. 
It's hard to tell where its head starts and its body starts. Uh, we got it's, to sit with the milky eyes, though. It's yeah. super, like, that's not an okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, God. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we should touch that. It seems pretty corrupted to me. But how do we prove to the Duke that we killed it? That's a good point. You're, you're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> As they're trying to figure out um, what they're going to do with the head, um, I sort of poke around and see if I can find the vial, because I have an interest in what the substance was, mm. and like whether or not um, it was created as a direct like foil to this creature, or if it was just happenstance that we managed to find <laughs> it in an egg. <laughs> I'm poking around in its So, yes, I am poking around in its gullet with my feet. Um, the <laughs> stones on my are a high contrast to the situation that I'm now in. Um, <laughs> so I am looking for the vial in the absolute waste of this creature right now. All right, I'll say that just uh, takes a wisdom roll to find that vial within the creature's stomach. Okay. I guess, is that two? That's 2d6 plus your wisdom modifier. Let's see that's... So that's seven. Seven. Okay, so you find it, but there is a drawback in finding it. You're looking around, and you your uh, hand like closes around the vial, and some of the substance like uh, falls out of it while you're pulling it out. But when the substance in the vial uh, mixes with the substance in the creature's stomach, it creates an incredibly not uh, like noxious acid effect. So. Plumes of horrible smoke waft up as some of the creature's body starts burning away. But you still have a little bit left in that stone vial. Okay, so I hightail it out of there. <laughs> um, I guess I've breathed in some of this noxious gas, so um, I'm feeling sort of out of it, a little oh, bit dizzy. Oh, you're really nauseated from well, that. Really it's just like, okay. oh no, no. <laughs> Uh, well, I hope what happens to me is, is not what happens to this creature. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Um, so yeah, I'm unsteadily making my way back to everyone else, um, holding the vial and sort of trying to work out what was in it while trying not to, uh, puke everywhere. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you don't look good. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, wait, I don't, okay, I don't know, let me, let me try something. I don't know how much we should be touching this head. Um, I'm gonna try to sanctify the head. Ooh. Roots. Um, and seven. I get a nine. Cool. Yeah, I'll say that definitely works. Uh, the blood from the creature's head, like, sort of leaks out of it. Like, there's this black concentrated substance that's like pure evil and corruption. And oh. you gather it up into like this little holy energy ball and, uh, the flames of your gods and like uh the the stones of the earth like come up and like encase it and then the flames like burn it away so all that's left is purity in the earth um and you turn to the head itself and like now the purple on the head of the creature is a lot easier to see and the slime is gone and it's sort of like this dried out husk that's been preserved by the sanctify spell that you cast on it oh, cool Perfect. Great. i was a little worried that that would make it just go away entirely so <laughs> it's all, all gross but we're all uh 
I have I have twenty available encumbrance, James, and like my sword and my pack were only three. Yeah, so I think you can, can easily. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now that it's not gross, I just pick it up. Should we be like concerned that there seemed to be corruption in the area, not just in the thing? That's not our job. <laughs> I'm standing there feeling kind of pukey still because I'm still not, you know, right after breathing in that, that stuff. So I'm a little bit, I'm getting a little bit concerned about my own uh, health at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think this is enough. I mean, like, let's not say we did. We got the bed. We can make a necklace with the hundred teeth. Like, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. I think we're all ready to tote that head back to, you know, Duke, 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 we attempt to head back, carrying the head. So you guys head back, and like it's it's a little hamlet. There's there's a small fort and castle that's surrounded by a little town, and you guys start uh, rolling up on the road where you enter town. Like victorious, you have killed the horrible monster in the Duke's woods, and there is a small collection of people uh, waiting outside the town uh, to like meet the returning heroes. You are met uh, at the edge of the town by a small uh, lizard person who is uh, holding up a sign that says, Go Team! Um, <laughs> he's jumping up and down. Hello! Hello! You've returned! You've returned victorious! All my friends bet that you would die, but I was the last person to bet in the pool, and I bet that you would live! Looks like you're going to be collecting a lot of coppers, my friends. Oh, I'm going to get so many coppers. I'm going to spend those coppers on some new filthy rags. (laughs) What? Jealous. (laughs) It's all right. I think we'll get some. Do we get a handsome reward? I hope so. Do we get a good dinner? We, we, should, we, we definitely should get you a dinner. <laughs> I, yeah, dinner. Yeah. Yes, little yes. lizard dork face can't be the only one benefiting off of our win. We can get <laughs> some coppers here. I mean, so. he, didn't, he didn't do nothing. No offense, man. But like, Hey, no. I mean, nobody's more surprised than me that I'm benefiting off of your hard work. So uh, <laughs> that's great. I mean... Again, I was the last one to go, so I didn't want to bet that you would live, but you did, and that's so wonderful. My temper has been aroused. Can I punch the lizard? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you totally can. Do I roll for it, or can I just punch it? Oh, you can just punch him. All right, I do it. Uh, <laughs> right in the jaw with my tiny halfling fist. <laughs> so so you go, uh, he, like, uh, tumbles to the ground a little bit, and he's like, I got punched by one of the heroes i'm gonna tell all my friends uh and he like uh scurries back to his warren um (laughs) but uh, you you look at uh the call for adventurers the original uh sign and note that uh originally uh called you on this adventure 
it's signed by Duke Dukington, um, and it says, To any heroes in this land, great reward awaits those who slay the horrible beast in my forests. Bring evidence of, of the creature's destruction to my castle, and you will be rewarded most valuably. You know, it's not specific, but let's, let's do it. Let's see what he's got. <laughs> Valuable. I'm going to, like, grab a child and tell them to, like, alert the duke or something so it looks like they're not doing anything i'm not doing anything i'm not doing anything at all what should i do for you my great hero go tell dukington that we have we've returned and to to send someone to get this head from us and prepare i would love to i would love to but but you see i've got this leg and this leg has been a it's got a bum knee on it crazy thing and it never seems to work unless i can balance it out on the other side by carrying something metallic in my pocket if that, you know what i mean you could have just, just asked orphan child <laughs> I'm, I'm working an angle though i'm gonna be real good at it when i'm big <laughs> i pull a gemstone off my cape and throw it at him oh. and say, please go and tell him <laughs> oh that's mighty fine leg ointment that is he winks at you and he uh, runs off to the palace. Uh, sh- in this town are so presumptuous. <laughs> um, but by by the time you get there, the guards are expecting you, and they sort of uh, wave you in. There's a carpet that's been rolled out for you guys, uh, and a lot of the guards are like excitedly talking about uh, the size of the creature's head and like how horrible it looks. And, uh, like how brave you all must be. And you enter the Duke's court and you see nobles uh, lining the side of the room. Uh, many of them are like just overwhelmed by how horrible the beast looks. And there's the Duke himself, uh, a man who has incredibly pale skin and a thick white beard. Um, who's sitting on his throne. Uh, there's a big fanfare as horns call out, announcing your arrival. Announcing the arrival of... I'm sorry, what, what, what did you say your band of heroes was called? And he says this to Dirtbag. <laughs> Dirtbag and the Bravehearts. No, 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 no. Dirtbag and the Bravehearts. And, like, everybody in court gives you, like, a golf clap, uh, acknowledging your accomplishment. And, uh, the Duke stands up. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just, I hide my face when he says that. (laughs) (laughs) Tambourine and do a, like, little celebratory shake with it. Yeah. I I know some of these guys from my family, like, they're they're friends of my ridiculously rich family so i just kind of turn away like oh god yeah yeah some of some of them are pointing at you specifically and whispering isn't that vatch i think that's vatch um and the duke like raises his hands and calls for silence Mm, thank you members of my court for welcoming these brave heroes who have freed our imperial woods that we might once again go on fox hunts and bar the lower classes from spoiling it with their dirty shoes. Uh, please, uh, the leader of these heroes, stand forward so that I might help you claim your reward. I lift. Does uh, uh, Kawa still have the? Oh yeah, absolutely. I lift it up off of her arms, 
hold it aloft <laughs> at the height advantage. Yes. All right, all right, good, good, good. Could you move a little bit to the left? That's perfect. Now stand there for about an hour, and uh, there's like a portraiteer that appears in front of you uh, and is very, very quickly painting you holding the monster's head. Uh, and over the course of this hour, like your arms are getting shaky and tired, but everybody in the noble court is like watching silently. It's that sort of weird thing today when people take a picture that nobody says anything, even though you wouldn't be taking a picture of the sound anyway. So <laughs> everybody's deadly silent in the room while they're painting the portrait well, of you very quickly. This is the opportunity to regale them with. Yeah. Our bravery. I mean, if they all want to listen in awe, let me tell you how how this all went down. Okay, twas twas brillig in the slide toes and gyre and gimble in the wave. All see where the borg, the momrats outgrade, and then Kwa got out her side and like, but I really weakened the the Jackalwalk here with my. Bravery, but they're not called the brave hearts for nothing. Everybody, let's give the brave hearts a round of applause. Yeah, so so like they, they everybody applauds you for the story just as the portrait is finished, and like you do look pretty gloriously strong, uh, holding up the head of the creature that was slain. And the duke goes, and this portrait will be hung on the on the wall of heroes for one week to acknowledge these brave heroes for their accomplishment and give them the valuable exposure that will help them further in their careers. Um, so, yeah, so I need some ingredients for potions and I need some new rhymes. Um, so I think maybe like, uh, a gold each. A gold? A gold? Why would I give you a piece of gold that I worked hard to earn in return for killing a creature that took you five minutes to kill? Well, you, you heard Dirtbag. I mean, it was quite a, quite an adventure, so. Yeah, I mean, sure, but it's not a real job. So you can't expect me to pay you a real wage for your fake job. This exposure is going to help you further your career. Don't you understand? Don't you appreciate the gift I'm giving you? Oh my god. <laughs> what are our hero rates? How much do we charge per hour? <laughs> what is your hero rate? Above minimum wage. <laughs> I think, um... Oh, yeah. Wandering in the forest, several days, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was several days. <laughs> Court should be good. Um, I think we also have to plus expenses. Always plus expenses. Oh, yes, very smart. Well, yeah, use use those three are arrows. Are you guys like calculating the expense right now? Yes, We're ca- calculating how much we need to be paid. We're doing an invoice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we have our small heads together and we're counting on our fingers. Um, <laughs> this is silly. While you're doing that, I'm going to walk over to the dude. Mm-hmm. I kind of lean in, and he's a human, right? Ah, that's an interesting question. As you lean into the Duke to say what you need to say, uh, like you can say what you want to say first and then make a discern realities. Oh, okay. Ooh. Um, well, I'm going to be like, 
So the thing is, that is completely ridiculous. Uh, we've been out in the forest for many days, and uh, your sign was rather misleading. And so we, we're here. We've killed this beast. Um, and, you know, there was a lot involved. So I think... And okay, I guess I'm going to be discerning realities while that's yeah. happening. Well, you're do- well, you're trying to explain simple labor to somebody who doesn't appreciate it. Yeah, just laying it down. I'm trying to be really intimidating, um, and I think using my like scary dwarven dwarvenness. Um, I got a ten. Oh, perfect. Okay, so you may ask three of the discern realities questions. All right. Um, who's really in control here? Uh, so you look at the Duke, uh, and you notice as you lean in, uh, the veins on his neck don't look right. And he does look pale. He looks magnificently pale. Uh, it look, he's showing the symptoms of somebody who is controlled by something else. You've seen this sort of spell a lot underground. Interesting. Uh oh. Um, what here is not what it appears to be. Uh, so you pull, you like, you pull back and you're still explaining this. You're going through the speech that you have to go through all the time because, like, everybody tries to undervalue what adventurers do, even though they provide a great benefit to society and the world around them. Uh, yeah. I think I'm getting, like, more distracted as I'm noticing these creepy things. Exactly. Um, and you see, uh, like, his hands and his hands, uh, like, on his fingers, it appears that he has, like, little suction cups on his fingers. Uh, it's clearly not human. Uh, and it, 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 like, now that you look at it, the way his mouth moves, it doesn't match up with the way his skeleton should be. Uh, it's clearly some other creature wearing his skin. Oh, no. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, what's about to happen? <laughs> What's about to happen? Uh, the, as you are explaining, uh, how you and your adventurers, your fellow adventurers deserve to be compensated, uh, you can see this creature is getting more and more frustrated with you. And, uh, it moves its eyes to the guards and looks out that, looks at them. And as you're in the middle of the speech and the rest of your friends are trying to put together your invoice, all of the nobles are hurried out of the room and the guards seal the doors. All right. So the speech is going to end with like, but you have made, you've made some very good points. And, uh, on second thought, thinking about it, we're so, so happy to just have done this for you for no pay. And we're, Let's let's go. We're just gonna we're just gonna keep going. We're just gonna I'm not gonna waste your time anymore. We're just gonna, yeah. No, so, no, okay. don't you want your reward? Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, no, no. We're we're, we're, we're good. No, we need to be paid. It's we no, did these people a service, and we need to be paid for that. We calculated the invoice down to the last. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to back everyone out. <laughs> but, obviously for testing. Uh, and we paid a merchant, or not a merchant, uh, an urchin on the way in with a with a jewel. So I mean, we didn't talk about uh, you know transport fees and all of that ahead of time. But it's it's a part of our rider. So you're going to have to take that on as well and provide us with a jewel of equal value. Uh, so yeah, you're you're there like uh, looking at this list uh, that Vatch uh, wrote up in beautiful calligraphy. 
Uh, you're just going through point by point, different value of different services that you've rendered. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Sibel has gathered everybody by the door and is trying to open the door, still casually, still having a conversation like, oh, what's happening isn't happening and we're all fine and we can get out of here okay. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Kwa is getting more and more in the Duke's face about things and is not noticing that uh, in the back of the Duke's head, uh, horrible like tentacles are folding out from his hair and like are wiggling about in the air. And as you finish uh, Kwa punctuating uh, the value, the, the final sum on the list, you point at it and you shove it in his face and you notice his face is a mass of terrible tentacles, eyes and gibbering mouths and random teeth jutting out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can see that you're going to make t- need some time to consider this, so I'll leave this with you, and I hand it to him, like right in front of his face, <laughs> and then I punch through the paper. Yeah, roll your yeah. roll your attack. Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, which was uh, eleven, and then just a d10 to damage. Yep, a D10 to damage, and you have the ability to put yourself at greater risk. Of uh, course, I'm going to do that. In order to add Every an extra D6. To, to add a D6? Okay, yes. so six plus two, eight. Eight damage coming at him. Cool. Uh, so you, like, uh, there's a massive green eyeball with, like, uh, sort of a squid's pupil. You know how they have, like, two weird bean shaped pupils? Uh, you get him right in the eye with your fist, and then you roll back as tentacles uh, sweep around to hit you. Um, you think you're going to get away scot-free, but you walk uh, right back into one tentacle that actually wraps around you. You take six damage as you're lifted in the air, your feet kicking helplessly at the air trying to escape. Ah! Okay. No. Seeing this happen to your friend, what do you guys do? Um, I draw out my bow and arrow and uh, take aim, but the the creature is moving so fast, I'm sort of afraid to take a shot because I don't want to accidentally hit uh, Kwa. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of standing there trying to figure out whether I should shoot or not. Cool, cool. Uh, Vatch is in the middle of a moment of heroic indecision. Obviously, definitely wants to take down the creature, but values Qua's life too much to pull the trigger right away. Does anybody want to leap in to help Vatch? Um, I'm going to leap in to aid uh, Qua, actually. Cool. Um, and try to... Oh, just aid? Oh, no, I'm going to defend, actually. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, well, what I want to do is like draw my stone knife and try and, like, cut a tentacle or something. Cut the tentacle that's holding her. Um, so I'm not sure what to roll for that. Uh, so I, I think if you're going to cut the tentacle that's holding her, uh, that would be a called shot. So it's going to be based off of your dexterity rather than your strength. Um, and because you don't have the special uh, called shot ability that Vatch would, it's going to be at a minus one. But if you succeed, you'll still be able to cut her free. Okay, cool. Let's see. Oh, oh, I got a nine. Oh, An- that is a 
good. A nine, that yeah, that does that does succeed. Uh, so you you go forward, but you do also put yourself at risk for an attack. Uh, so the creature uh, sweeps an uh, an arm at you. Uh, you realize you can't get uh, you can't avoid it if you're going to cut your friend free. So you dive forward just as the tentacle, which has like frozen itself into a sharp spear like point, uh, comes across your cheek and draws blood as you. Move forward, stabbing your knife into the other tentacle. It rides around in pain and uh, fl- uh, flings Quah to the side, uh, freeing her. Cool. Does that? Do I take damage? You do take damage. Three damage. Okay, cool. I get a cool cut on my face. Uh, now that <laughs> now that Quah is free, I decide I'm going to take the shot to try and kill uh, whatever this weird tentacle beast thing is. Absolutely. So that's a volley, right? Yeah, roll your volley. Uh, is that two d6? It's still two d6, okay. and then it's plus your attack. Okay. Modifier. So that is plus. Oh, you get uh, two. So that's eleven. All right, uh, eleven is a definite hit, and with a volley, I don't believe there's the ability to deal extra damage on it. Uh, but you you can roll your damage die. Although, you know what, I'll, I'll give you the same benefit as a hack and slash. If you want to uh, be out of arrows after this attack, I'll allow you to do an extra 1d6 damage. But you'll have to, like, find another way to get arrows. No, I'm not going to go that way just in case it's not dead. Cool. So cool. I'm going to just roll my damage here. Uh, four. Four damage. All right. So the arrows uh, pepper the creature's body. Uh, you're pulling. Uh, you're, you're pulling arrows from your sheath, firing at uh, different points that you think would be vulnerable. It's weird on this creature that's essentially a big, massive tentacles. You don't know where you'd have to hit it. So you're definitely doing damage, but you can't tell if what you're doing is all that much. Uh, let's turn to Dandelion. Dandelion, what are you doing? I was contemplating, I am contemplating turning to a large sea creature and having a grappling match with the Duke. Oh my god. Um, I don't know how wise this is, but in in the moment, I'm, I am I feel pretty confident in my decision. So can I roll to turn into a giant squid or a large octopus? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I gotta roll to do this and also to not suffocate. Um, yeah, what I think you turn into one of the famed Roctopi of the mountains. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> they're, they're just like octopuses, but they have a thick, rocky skin and they don't live in the water. <laughs> right, right, right. The sacred Roctopi of my halfling people. Yeah. <laughs> forgotten. Okay, um, so I roll d6 for wisdom. Yep. You 2d6 plus your wisdom modifier. Five. Five. Oh, okay. So you do turn into a octopus, but you're only allowed to pick one word to describe yourself, and you'll essentially have one action as the octopi before you transform back into your normal self. Okay. Um, I heavily lurch over and sit on the two. <laughs> 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 so you 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 uh, leap into the air uh, 
And uh, you run up off of uh, Vatch's back and sort of like springboard yourself onto one of the chandeliers. Uh, you swing over on the chandelier until you're hovering right above the Duke. And then you turn into the Roctopus and you land on it. <laughs> Just a bunch of like tentacles fill with air and weird crevices get hurt as it is pinned to the ground. <laughs> Do I need to roll damage for this? Uh, yeah, you can definitely roll damage to this. Use your damage die. Uh, two. Two. All right. Um, so you are you guys are slowly chipping away at this creature's health um, as it's uh, like struggling against the octopus. It's trying to make more attacks against uh, your allies, but it can't because of your thick form. But it's very hard for you to hold this form so far away from the mountain. So uh, you you think you'll only be able to delay it uh, for two of your friends' actions critically. So uh, we haven't heard from Dirtbag the Bard in a while. Dirtbag, what are you going to do? Well, since I was still holding the desiccated head of the worm... I'm going to try to smash that head into this <laughs> tentacle creature-like <laughs> mouth. Hundred teeth first. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I really like that idea. Uh, add an extra d4 to whatever damage you're doing. Roll hack and slash. Okay. Um. So it's plus my strength, right? Yeah. So add your strength to that because you are just like picking a big Thirteen. creature. Thirteen. 13, that, that hits hard. Uh, roll your damage. And you have, of course, uh, just as Cat does, the ability to put yourself at extra risk uh, to cause additional damage if you would like. All right. Um, D6? Yeah. My additional damage? Yeah, a D, it would be a D6 in addition if you're going to put yourself at risk. Just let me know okay. so I can... I'm going to do two D6 and put myself at risk. Cool. Okay, um, nine. Nine damage, nice job. Uh, you close the mouth of this corrupted creature around uh, this like bubbling mass of tentacles, eyes, and mouths, and uh, you're drawing a lot of blood. You notice that the blood you're drawing from it is that same maroonish corruptive substance that was in the worm that you killed earlier. Um, However, as you pull back, some of this creature's like teeth wrap around like a, a toothy tentacle wraps around your arm and pulls you there and you pull your arm back, but you're scraped up really badly as you uh, pull back and you take three damage. Ouch. All right. So we have heard from everyone really except for Qua who got like Qua actually got the first hit. So. Qua and Sibel, are there anything you guys want to do, knowing that uh, your uh, colleague will transform back into a halfling instead of a roctopus in the next action? Oh, good call. Um, I, I want to cast uh, Cause Fear upon this creature. Ooh. I my own fear and try to turn it into a spell. So, yes. Uh, nice. I succeeded that spell. Um, yeah, so what fear does, um, <laughs> is afraid of me as long as I maintain the spell. It can flee, panic, beg, or fight. <laughs> um, yeah. 
And also, oh, and also, it says I can't target entities with less than animal intelligence. So I'll leave that up to you. But it seems pretty smart. To yeah, me. this the, I, I think this creature is smart enough to be afraid. So when you cast this spell and inspire fear in this creature, what does it look like? Um, I think I uh, draw out a little vial of pre- previously harvested blood. Um, <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm pretty scared too, but I do a shaky chance and like, um, paint some of the blood on my cheeks and then like throw the rest, like splash it onto the creature. Oh, cool. So like, as you're shakily saying this, because you're pretty terrified, this is like one of the most horribly corrupt things you've ever seen in your life. Uh, yeah. Like with each part of the chant, your words get more and more firm. Like the first line you draw on your face is a little bit shaky, but the second one is perfectly straight as the conf- the divine confidence of your God is filling you. And you've matched uh, the blood painted to certain points on your face. So when you throw this blood into the air at the creature, it's a giant form of uh, your deity's face uh, that is matched to the points on your face face uh so it's got that sort of motion capture thing going for it and you're just like calling down as your mighty deity at this creature uh so your colleague who is the roctopus right now transforms back into a halfling but she's able to get out of the way because right now the creature is believes it's being confronted with a divine being and is too terrified to act against her which brings us to qua (laughs) Um, golly. So the question is, do I attack it or do I try to find out what it is? <laughs> that doesn't feel like something I do, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, not Qua style. Yeah, so I give a thumbs up to my bro and I'm like, uh, Dandelion, you figure out what this is. I'm going to dance. And then I start doing a spinny dance, stupid thing with my scythe, like closing in on it, trying to, to slice it up. Okay. I, look, I look at my human companions with imploring eyes because, because all I know is that it is the same kind of monster and that's two instances in a row and we need to figure out what's happening. Uh, and like, actually, like you, you go, uh, you, you do say out loud, this is the same sort of monster that we fought earlier. Like it's got the same corruption and Vatch in the back of your mind. You remember you've retained some of the, some of the poison in the stone vial. And I still have arrows. Yeah. So you have a whirling blade of death. Uh, that uh, cat has just rolled um, that is headed towards this creature and you've got your arrows so I want you to roll an attack vatch at the same time uh, that Kua is rolling their your her attack and you guys will damage it together cool you're gonna get an attack against me because I got an eight okay uh, so I got four. Oh no okay uh, so I'll I'll put it this way. What you can do, uh, Kat, is you can basically you hit the stone vial in the air to coat your blade in the poison. Like uh, the like the arrows, uh, the arrows sailed through the air. They're like dripping with this poison. 
Uh, but you notice that they're not going to connect with vital points on this creature. So you slash them in half, basically gaining the power of the poison. But that is going to expose you to a deeper attack on this creature. So whatever it rolls, the damage that it rolls is going to be doubled as you also deal your damage to it. So roll That's your fine. damage. So I get four damage. All right. You hit it with four damage. Uh, it dies as it hits you with eight damage. Oof. Okay. So, Whoa. like, you are whirling into the center of this creature, and more and more tentacles are jutting out of it. As you, each hole you tear in its body creates a new tentacle that latches onto you and tries to slow your dance down, but you grind and grind against it. And uh, what what do you say as you take it out? Now who's going to pay us? <laughs> <laughs> So you say, it's like that big heroic moment. You're like, now who's going to pay us? And the creature disappears in a poof of shadows and like echoes from places uh, unseen and unknown as it disappears. And you're left alone in the throne room and a very old man who's uh got like a crown on his head and like is wearing tattered robes and looks very cold like wanders out from behind the throne is it over am i safe stay back stay back okay (laughs) don't don't come near any of us good i don't want to you look scary (laughs) are you the proprietor of this estate I am Duke Dukington, or I was until that jerk stole my face and started ruining my kingdom. He increased taxes by, like, 4%. It was unprecedented. Can you pay us? (laughs) What are you, adventurers? I mean, yeah. Yeah, yes. Oh, great, sure, yeah, you make a valuable contribution to the community. <laughs> At least you're not artists, right? Uh, <laughs> and so, he, like, well, the, well, yeah, we have a, a bargain. <laughs> oh, I mean, you spent your money well on the art degree that you got. Good job. Tambourine school, yes, that <laughs> really helps me. Ah, you were a tambourine major, that's great. That's wonderful. Uh, I've been like, examining him to see if he has like any sig- signals of being corrupted, but I'm like, he, no, it's it's good. Yeah, he looks malnourished and cold and underdressed, but you know, other than that, he's fine. He might be going a little bit senile in his years, but there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, so he he brings forward. Uh, uh, people from the Treasury Department come out. Uh, they review uh, your bill, your invoice that you have written up, and everything. <laughs> like a new one because the other one was punched through. Oh, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> we have to add fighting a tentacle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we tack on a service charge for the... Yeah, there's a revision cost. <laughs> yeah, good call. So, <laughs> so after, after negotiating out what's a fair amount of taxes to put on the government job and certain benefits that you guys have required requested you make a deal that seems to work for both parties and you guys walk away victorious Yay. Yay. <laughs> and that's it that's the adventure awesome. <laughs> thank you guys thank, thank you. you oh that was so fun yeah it was great so thick you can chew it <laughs> <laughs>
Dirt bags drinking uh, sex on the beach. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, Vatch goes for a fine rose wine. <laughs> oh. oh boy, dandelion. dandelion is too young to drink. No, dandelion can drink something very weak. No. I think I've solved this quite easily. Uh, dandelion and Kwa stand on each other's shoulders and put on a large <laughs> trench coat in order to get in. <laughs> we like share a pint. Right, you probably have a better tolerance than I do. So I'll be the person under. You can drink. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bell is going to like water it down when she has a chance. Oh no, I'm going to cast uh, Sanctify. <laughs> <laughs> and we have no idea because we don't drink alcohol. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is delicious. Wow. <laughs> we are so drunk right now. <laughs> oh. That's good. Uh-huh. I'm glad we worked that part out. <laughs> I would like to propose a toast to Dirtbag and the Bravehearts. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, everyone shakes yeah, yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> All so brave and so full of heart. You are so dirt. <laughs> I humbly accept your compliment. <laughs> James, that was so fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. It was a lot of fun to play with you. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll have first role play experience. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I hope I hope we get you to do it a lot more. Everybody who likes board games and role playing games should pledge to Chainmail the Community <laughs> on Kickstarter. There's like mm-hmm. also oh. comics in there about tabletop. If that's your jam, so. Mm-hmm. Are there any Are there any official last words that you want to say about the Kickstarter? Um, that is my last word. <laughs> <laughs> awesome this uh roleplay session just was you can like experience the joys of being <laughs> in comics form all these fabulous artists and they will be getting money with the pledge <laughs> yeah, yeah everyone everyone lined their pockets that's that's what we want we need we need more money headed towards these people <laughs> that was the moral of this uh roleplay <laughs> it's true we would rather here. not fight a tentacle faced person to well, heroes, that's it for one shot this week, but don't worry, we'll be back with either Headspace or Phoenix Dawn Command next week. Just a reminder to everyone, at the end of this month, you can join me, Will Hindmarch, Kat Murphy, Ken Height, and many others at the Chicago Demystics Game Master Circle. Come for a day of gaming and contemplation about the art of game mastering. Tickets are on sale right now, and you can find the link in the show notes. While you're browsing the show notes, be sure to check out Chainmail Bikini, the comics anthology put together by the fantastically talented artists we had on the show this week. You can also find links to their individual projects. I recommend each and every one of them. And if you do read one of them, you can tell me about it on Twitter at OneShotRPG. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, Tumblr at OneShotPodcast.tumblr.com, or just search us out on our Google Plus community. OneShot is a joint production between Paracosm Press and Peaches and Hot Sauce. Peaches and Hot Sauce is a Chicago-based comedy network with tons of great articles, videos, and podcasts for you to enjoy at peachesandhotsauce.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Be Your Own Pet with Adventure, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. 
See you next time, heroes. Yeah,